Welcome to Quick Consult, the podcast that addresses the questions you were most likely to ask or should ask in a consultation with an estate planning attorney. Hello, welcome to Quick Consult. I'm your host, Sarah Josie, an estate planning attorney licensed to practice law in Virginia and North Carolina. My last episode focused on what steps you need to take when you're going through a separation or a divorce in order to preserve your estate plan. During that episode, I touched on uh, one point in particular called the elective share, and I was not able to get into the details of the elective share during that quick consult, but wanted to do so uh, in this episode. So what is the elective share? Uh, In a nutshell, the elective share prevents you from completely disinheriting your spouse. So it's really your spouse's right to your assets, to part of your estate at least. Most states have elective share laws on their books, and Virginia and North Carolina are among them. And it's a very important law, and it can have very strong consequences. One of the most famous cases surrounding the elective share comes from the former wife of the CEO of the Hooters franchise. So when this individual passed away, he divided his estate um, among his children, his grandchildren, his alma mater, and a few others, and left a million dollars for, you know, the second wife that she could use over a period of 20 years. So the wife was pretty unhappy with this inheritance. She felt like she was entitled to more. And at the time, she everything was happening in the state of South Carolina, and the court in South Carolina agreed with her. She made an elective share claim. Her The CEO's son fought against it, uh, but she was successful. So instead of being awarded an a mere one million dollars she was awarded one-third of the estate so understanding the elective share and importantly understanding ways to avoid it or prevent it from happening to your estate is incredibly important obviously the elective share is going to vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So if this is a concern for you it's really important that you speak to an attorney in your jurisdiction about what's included in the elective share, what is excluded from the calculation. It's really not a simple formula in any jurisdiction. It's not, hey, I'm married, so my spouse gets 50% of my estate. It depends on, a lot of times, the length of the marriage. It depends on your assets as well as your spouse's assets. It can depend on whether or not you gifted assets to your spouse prior to your death. There's a lot of different factors that can come into play. So for example, in both Virginia and North Carolina, the length of the marriage matters. In Virginia, after 15 years of marriage, the spouse is entitled to 100% of the augmented estate. And in North Carolina, after 15 years of marriage, the spouse is entitled to 50% of the total net assets. Now, the definition of the augmented estate or total net assets is too complex for this podcast, but in broad strokes and with a very gross simplification on this concept, essentially what we're talking about is 50% of your estate is vulnerable 
to a spouse, you may want to disinherit um, after you have been married for 15 years. If you've been married under 15 years in both of those jurisdictions, uh, the percentages just go down. To add to this complexity, the elective share is in addition to other rights a spouse may receive. So for example, in Virginia, the spouse is entitled to something called a family allowance, a homestead allowance, and exempt property in addition to their elective share claim. So they can make a claim for the elective share and ask for those variants, uh, various other rights and allowances under the law. So again, those are all concepts that are outside the scope of today's discussion. But I'm just trying to highlight the point that when you are married to someone, especially when it's been a longer term marriage, there's a lot of rights that come along with that for your married spouse. I find that the elective share most commonly becomes an issue for clients that are in second marriages, especially if they have children from the first marriage and they really want their children to inherit um, and they're, they're either not wanting to inherit the second spouse at all or wanting to inherit them but leave them a lot less than what the elective share would afford uh, that, that second spouse. So if you're in this situation, what are your options? And the first line of defense for you is going to be that prenuptial agreement. As I noted in my last episode, and I'm sure I will say it again and again, the value of a prenup cannot be overstated. Um, in even the most basic prenup agreements, you're going to have a clause in there about waiving the elective share or waiving estate claims. Um, and you definitely, if you have a prenup, you want to make sure that you see language in there about waiving uh, that elective share claim. And that's going to be enough to protect you, assuming that you know, the contract was entered into fairly and, the, and there's various um, elements that, that need to be met when doing a prenup. Um, but at the end of the day, assuming all of those elements are met, that prenuptial agreement will protect your estate. If you haven't done the prenuptial agreement and you're, you're already married, you will want to see if your spouse will sign a postnuptial agreement to waive the share. So a postnup is very similar to a prenup. It just happens after marriage, um, and this is permitted, I can say, for at least in Virginia, North Carolina, where your spouse can then waive their right to the elective share. So that's a conversation for you to have with your spouse. They may not want to do that, or that may be an uncomfortable conversation, but if you are planning on disinheriting the spouse in any sort of way, it's definitely worth your time to have that conversation and have that agreement drawn up between you. If a postnup and uh, a prenup are, are not an option, you can also provide for your spouse um, up to the amount of the elective share claim even um, in trust. So by leaving the assets in a revocable trust or even an irrevocable trust, depending on uh, various uh, parts of your case, you can inherit your spouse such that they no longer have the right to the elective share claim but you control how those assets are used and who ultimately inherits uh, any, any assets remaining. So let's say $500,000 was necessary to satisfy that elective share claim. You can leave that in trust for your spouse, name a trustee who's not the spouse, 
um, who is going to be in control of making distributions to him or her, uh, usually for you know health, education, maintenance, support. Although it doesn't have to be that type of standard. Um, so for reasons, you know, that there's got to be some sort of distribution, right? But put in some reasons why it would be appropriate for a spouse to receive the inheritance. And then upon your spouse's death, you control where it goes. So you say, okay, she, could, she or he could use it. Um, but when they pass away, I want any remaining sum, sums to go to my children or to my grandchildren, to this charity, you know, um, whoever you want that beneficiary to be. And that's and that's a way to take care of the elective share issue. Um, it's a way to guarantee you're inheriting the people that you want to be inheriting. Um, and you're still providing for your spouse, uh, you know, as well, which is also typically a goal of, of most clients. This strategy also ensures that if your spouse remarries, the new spouse will not inherit any of your money. Um, and again, if, if more children come along or whatever the case may be, your specific uh, inheritance is, is well protected within that trust from any you know, future life happenings uh, that, that do happen um, you know, after someone passes away. So on a final note here about the elective share claim, um, I just want to note here that there are some defenses to the elective share claim. Um, sometimes desertion is one. So if your spouse disappears on you, they can't come back after you know you've passed away uh, to, to make this claim. Um, a bigamous marriage is, is another one. So it's going to vary by state by state, but those are are common reasons that someone cannot make an elective share claim. And I also want to note that it has to be filed within a certain time frame. Um, so typically, or at least in North Carolina and Virginia, we're talking six months after your executor has been appointed. This claim has to be made. So it is something where your spouse is going to have to make some effort. Um, it is not an automatic uh, claim that that happens. The spouse is going to have to likely hire an attorney and, and start the process pretty soon after you pass away. Um, and again, it's not something that's just automatic or something that the court's going to be on the lookout for. The spouse is going to have to know to ask for it. Well, I hope that uh, you find these tips helpful and that it gives you some good questions to ask your estate planning attorney. Until next time, I'm Sarah Josie, wishing you and your family all the best wishes and health and of course, the best planning. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit selectlawpartners.com. The information in this episode is provided for general informational purposes only and may not reflect the current law in your jurisdiction. You understand that there is no attorney-client relationship between you and the host or any select law partners attorneys. No information contained in this episode should be construed as legal advice from the host or select law partners, nor is it intended to be a substitute for legal counsel on any subject matter.